Well, let's now turn to, to the Word of God, trying to put myself together here after emotional prayer. But if you have your Bibles with you, you can open in Ezekiel chapter 37, and we are going to read the first 14 verses. If you remember a few weeks ago when I was preaching, we, we done Ezekiel chapter 1. Sounds a very complicated chapter, but we, 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 we went through it. And now we're going to further ahead, a few chapters ahead. So we're going to, to see Ezekiel 37, which is perhaps the most famous chapter of the book of Ezekiel, which is the Valley of the Dry Bones. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow. You can also follow on screen Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I, as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and the skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of God, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath. And breathe on this lane that thou may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet. An exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God. Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it declares the Lord. And we ask God to bless the reading of his holy word to our hearts. And before we go to our chapter 37, I will just give you a quick background about the book of Ezekiel so we can understand better the passage we are studying this morning. So if you remember, Ezekiel 1 verse 1 tells us that the prophecy began in the 30th year. So, Scholars usually consider this a reference to Ezekiel's age. 
and which make him about the same age as Daniel, who was exiled to Babylon nearly 10 years earlier. So Ezekiel lived among the Jewish exiles in Babylon at a settlement along the river Chebar called Tel Abib. And you have all this information in the chapter 3. They were less than 100 miles from Babylon. And the invading Babylonians brought about 10,000 Jews to the village, including Ezekiel and the last king of Judah, Jehoiakim. So Ezekiel's prophecy began about five years into his time on exile. And he continued to prophesy among the people for at least 22 years. And because he spoke to, to a people whom God had exiled due to their continued rebellion against him, a majority, majority of Ezekiel's message communicate judgment for sins committed. So for the first 32 chapters of Ezekiel, as judgment. So it could be quite a heavy reading. However, like all the prophets towards the, the end of this book, he also provides his people now without a land of their own, some hope for the future. From verse 33, as the message gets a little bit more hopeful. So the book of Ezekiel pronounces judgment on both Israel and the nations around. It also provides a, a vision for the future, a vision, a vision of the future millennium kingdom that complements and adds to the vision of other prophets in the Old and New Testament. Not only does the book present a striking picture of the resurrection and restoration of God's people, as we just read in chapter 37, it also offers readers a picture of the, the reconstructed temple in Jerusalem, which was completed with the return of God's glory to his dwelling place. In this latter session of Ezekiel's prophecy, looks forward to the people's worship after Christ's return in the end times, when he will rule Israel and all the nations from his throne. So what is the, the big idea of the book of Ezekiel? What is the big idea? And God did not exile the Israelites primarily to punish them. God never has been or is he now interested in punishment for punishment's sake. Rather, he, he intended the punishment or, or judgment in Ezekiel's days as a means to an end, to bring his people to a state of repentance and humility before the one and true God. You know, the Israelites, they had lived so long in sin and rebellion and idolatry. They were so confident in their own strength and on the neighbor's nations that they needed God to remind them of his holy nature in their humble identity in a very dramatic way. So after centuries of warnings, prophetic messages, and invasions, 
God decided that more significant action was required. He had to remove the people from their promised land. And it was a really discouraging and disappointed time for them. It must be awful. They were taken out of their own land and they were in exile now. So it is against this background that we see in Ezekiel 34 verse 1 that the hand of the Lord once again fell upon Ezekiel. And this is the way of Ezekiel telling us that somehow and in some way the Lord appeared to him in a vision again. Ezekiel, again, he's not very sure, so he was not really able to explain how it happened. But in some mysterious and mystical way, the Lord communicated with and to Ezekiel. In wonderful ways, if you read the book of Ezekiel, it's absolutely fascinated how the Lord communicates with Ezekiel. So in this vision here particularly, Ezekiel is put in the middle of a valley. And what a depressing place. What a depressing place. The valley is full of human bones. Baked white and dry on the desert floor. Apparently a, a large army had been defeated there. So buzzards had done their work. And the sun had bleached the bones that remained. We are not told where the valley is. But... It could be very well that Ezekiel was taken to a place where Judah had fought and, and lost. Perhaps Ezekiel is, was looking at the bones of his own countrymen. Maybe. Whatever the valley is, the symbolism of the bones is, is quite clear. Israel is dead. Israel is dead. They are as dead as those dry white bones. In fact, the people in the despair of exile, they identified themselves with the dry bones. They say to one another in verse 11, Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. They felt like skeletons pecked clean to the bone. And as Ezekiel surveys that gruesome scene, that horrible scene, God asks him a surprising question, a very curious question. Verse 3, he says, Son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And in the Hebrew language, the question is, is phrased in such a way that the only possible answer is no no god of course they cannot live they are white and dry the the heat of the sun and the wind has long since sucked out all the moisture the marrow is dried up and dead the bones are old and chipped and cracked no god these bones cannot live that's the answer we expect. That's the answer. I, I, I probably, uh, that will be my answer, probably. But that's not the answer Ezekiel gives. Ezekiel says, Oh 
Lord God, you know. You know. The NIV brings different words. Say, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Because Ezekiel had seen so many strange and wonderful things that he cannot dismiss the possibility of those old, dried up bones coming to life again. So in previous visions, he has seen things like in chapter 1, as we studied a few weeks ago, a windstorm, an immense cloud with flashing light and surrounded by a brilliant light. He's seen four living creatures with the form of a man. Each of the living creatures had four faces and so on. In, verse, in chapter 8, he sees a man who from the waist down was like fire and from the waist up was like glowing metal. So having seen all of this, and even more, those are only a few examples, Ezekiel gives a safe answer, a very good answer to the Lord's question. Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, you know. You know, Lord, because with you, anything is possible. Anything is possible with you, oh Lord. Ezekiel knows, my friends, that the power of God transcends the power of the grave. He knows how the Lord used Elijah, for example, to bring to life the widow's dead son. He knows how Elisha was empowered by God to raise from the dead the Shunammite woman's son. Ezekiel would agree with Hannah who said in 1 Samuel 2 verse 6, The Lord brings death and makes it makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. So God dramatically shows Ezekiel his wonderful power over life and death. And he does this in, in a two-stage act, if, if I'm allowed to use this. So he uses a, a two-stage act. So first God tells Ezekiel to preach to the bones, to prophesy to the bones. And I try to imagine myself in such a spot. I imagine myself here behind this pulpit in, in the seats in front of me, just bones. And then God says to me, son of man, preach to these bones. What would I probably say? You got to be kidding. You want me to preach to dry bones? Really? But Ezekiel listens to God and he prophesies, he preaches, and the results are wonderful. The results are amazing. This, these scattered bones, they begin to clank and to clank and to rattle. They move toward each other and they, they are joined together, forming human skeletons. Miraculously, Muscles and flesh are fitted to each skeleton. But they are still dead. They are still dead. So secondly, God commands Ezekiel to speak to the wind. Speak to the wind. 
addressing the four corners of the earth, the prophet calls the breath of God to blow over the bodies and give them life. What a wonderful vision. And as he speaks, it happens. The bodies stand up alive. A virtual army where moments before had only been dry, bleached bones. And let me ask you something. Does this vision remind you of anything, any other passage? It should. It reminds me of what we read in Genesis chapter 1. Chapter 2, I mean. There we read of a similar two-stage act. First, we read of how the Lord God formed man from the dust, from the dust of the ground. Then we read of how the Lord God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And only then does the man become a living being. So in the valley of the dry bones, Ezekiel witnesses God's creative power at work. What God does there in that valley is exactly the same as what he did on the last day of creation when he made man. But what is the meaning of this vision then? What is the meaning of this vision? What is the Lord's message here? Because it's a weird vision, very, very weird. And a key, a key to understanding the vision is Ezekiel's use of the Hebrew word ruah. And this word is translated in different ways for the English. So it's translated as spirit in verse 1 and 14, as breath in verses 5, 6, 8, 9, and 10, and as winds in verse 9. So it comes in different words for us in English. But in the Hebrew language, the same word is used every single time. The ruah. And this ruah describes the blowing of the wind. It speaks of breath or breathing. It tells us about the work of God's spirit. God's spirit. So we have to conclude that Ezekiel's strange vision points to the life-giving work of the Holy Spirit. So what then is the purpose of the vision? To an Israel in an Ezekiel who are full of gloom and in a state of despair and depression, the vision of the valley of the dry bones is a message of hope. It's a message of hope to an Israel and Ezekiel who have watched the death and destruction of their land, their people, their city, and their temple. The vision of the Valley of Dry Bones is a message of encouragement, my friends. To an Israel and Ezekiel who identify themselves with dry, white bones. The vision of the Valley of Dry Bones is a message of good cheer. God here is telling hopeless people 
about new life. Wonderful life that is coming their way. A new wonderful life is coming their way. So the vision of the valley of dry bones is a promise to Israel of better things to come. Yes, right now this smoke is still rising from the remains of the temple and, and palace. Yes, Jerusalem's walls are in ruins. Yes, the skeletons of corpses, Israelites' corpses, litter the countryside. Yet new life will come and flourish. So don't be discouraged. Don't be despondent. Don't give up hope. Don't let despair take over. That is the purpose of this vision. In the valley of dry bones, Ezekiel and Judah were given a promise of new life. And 50 years later, the first group of Israelites returned to Jerusalem. And a second and a third group of exiles returned many years after. And we can read this about this in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. So the people returned to the land of Israel as God promised. They rebuilt their cities and farms. They restored the temple. They once again became prosperous. A people who were dead like dry bones. Dead like dry bones. Once again were also once again made alive through the power of the Spirit. So that is the first fulfillment of Ezekiel's vision of the dry bones. A few months ago, we celebrated Easter. We all remember. And we really should celebrate this every single day. But on Easter, we celebrate the raising of Jesus from the grave. We celebrate the power of God in restoring Jesus back to life. Right? So I think we can all see the connection between Easter and the Valley of Dry Bones here. The same God was at work in both places. And he performed the same kind of miracle. In both places, he took someone dead and made him alive again. In both places, he took someone given over to, dead, to death and raised, raised him to life. So what I'm saying here is that Ezekiel's vision find its second fulfillment in the raising of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In the raising of Jesus Christ, we see the second fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy. And at the end of times, we'll see another fulfillment. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead will rise 
1 Thessalonians 4, 16 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So tendons and flesh will appear on them, and skin will cover them. God will put into them the breath of life. And they will come to life and stand on their feet. A vast army of them. And this is what we know of uh, as the resurrection of the body. The third fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy. So we spoke about three fulfillments, but there is one more. I want you to look just quickly. I want you to talk about quickly. And for you and me living today here, it's a quite important one. A very important one. And before I say anything more, let me ask you if you noticed how God brings life to the dry white bones. He brings life by the Spirit and through the Word. The prophet speaks or prophesies or preaches. The Ruah, the Spirit, blows and enters in. And the dry, white bones come to life. By the Spirit and through the Word. Do you realize here, my friends, what Ezekiel is describing? He is describing the process by which we are made born again. He is describing regeneration. He is describing how we are made new or renewed. He is describing the method by which we come to faith and repentance and conversion. By the Spirit and through the Word. By the Spirit and through the Word. The Spirit of God uses the Word to make us born again. And we see this with, with Lydia in the book of Acts. She was the first recorded European convert to Christ. And she became a Christian when, Acts sixteen fourteen. The Lord opened her heart. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. No man, woman, or child has ever come to faith by another route. It was and always is the Spirit creating faith. By means of the word. The word of God, my friends. Something mysterious and beautiful happens when we place ourselves under the word. The spirit produces faith and makes us born again. 
So God's people must put themselves under the word. They must come to worship services, either online or in person. They must involve themselves in Bible studies, self-devotional. They must set aside a regular time for family and personal devotions. This is what the Spirit uses to make us born again. By the Spirit and through the Word. Our God is so almighty. So wonderful. By the Holy Spirit and through His Word, He is able to bring life to dry white bones. And by the Spirit and through the Word, He is able to bring life to the deadest of sinners and the most fallen of saints. By His Spirit and through the Word. He takes dry white bones and gives them life. So praise and thank God for his great and marvelous work. Amen. We are now going to sing.